Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese May podcast. We're just diving right in, just going for it. Today, I have Car Rulhart. How are you, Car? Oh my gosh, I think you're the first person ever to pronounce my last name right. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's Swiss. So people always get weirded out with it's actually got an umlaut on the U. So everyone's like, how do you pronounce your name? I'm like, it's like creme brulee. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I used to like long time ago, I used to work in customer service and you would get these people that had like zero vowels in their name. And so I would always try and say it. And I guess I just have a good ear for it because nine times out of 10, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're the first person to say my name correctly. But I think that's so important, right? I used to just say my last name in the very American way. But now I'm like, no, Yanez. It's not Yanez. My last name is Yanez. If you can say all of these really complicated names, yeah. you can say Yanez. <laughs> that is so funny. And something I've actually never spoken about publicly, like only my closest friends know this. And I don't even know why it feels embarrassing to say it publicly like this. But my name is spelled like the traditional Karen. And it's pronounced Karen. But my whole life growing up, I wanted to be more white. I am a Canadian, Mexican, Swiss <laughs> origin. And yeah, so I didn't correct a lot of people. And only my closest family and friends called me Karen. And then, you know, during the 2020 kind of Karen cancellation thing, I was like, this is really a good time to probably step into my name and start correcting people and not feel ashamed about correcting them. And it's just been so liberating, like not because I never identified with that name and less so now. <laughs> You're right. And I, we were talking about this before because you are Latina, you're Mexican, your hometown is Vancouver, Canada, and you're Swiss. So that's like such an interesting mix. But before we get into all of the chisme, right, <laughs> we always start with the wine. And I don't know if you're drinking any wine today or not, but you can share if you are and tell us if anything what you're drinking. Oh my God, I will be drinking an April spritz at 5 p.m. It's four o'clock here, but I've got my I've got my water bottle for now. Hey, I even you know what? I always have my water bottle next to me, but I do have my wine. I'm having the Casa Martinez Pinot Noir and their Camila Pinot Noir. Um, Casa Martinez, they named the wine after their oldest daughter. 
who has, I think, spinal bifida, I think she has. Oh, yeah. So a lot of what they do is really about giving back. And a portion of the proceeds goes to helping try and find a cure for it. So they're amazing. They, I've done a, a whole interview with them, with Daniel Martinez, who is the owner and the winemaker. I always love hearing these stories. I so love it. Three, yeah, it's three o'clock where I'm at. So I was like, I don't want anything too heavy right now. So a Pinot Noir Plus, I was telling you, I just came back from like yeah. a beach cleanup brunch thing that Kia has, you know, I got graciously invited to. And we'll talk about all those things because it kind of goes into all the things that you do. But let <laughs> me read your bio and then we'll get into it. Oh, wait, let me say salud. You can say salud, salud with your wife. <laughs> salud. <laughs> I would have poured myself a glass earlier. <laughs> uh, so good. For people who want to know, I'll put the link to Casa Martinez wine, their Camila wine. I'll put that in the show notes because it's so good. And there's just such, so, such amazing people. For seven plus years, Carr worked as a social media strategist, including creating successful campaigns for Apple the United Nations, Michael Kors, and Google, among others. But in spring 2020, we all know the 2020, (laughs) the company that just hired her for social strategy went under thanks to COVID. At the time, she was nine months pregnant. And so she made the decision that she was going to build something for herself. And in under 10 months, she grew her Instagram account from zero to 45,000 and built a six-figure teaching strategy, teaching Instagram strategy along the way. With more than 500 entrepreneurs have worked with her to create a sustainable content plan tailored to their business. And I think everybody, like 2020 just took a hit on everybody. And I think that's like such a time where so many people started their businesses and start because yeah. growing up and tell me if this was your experience, because I don't know, I've worked with a lot of Canadians because I used to work for a minor league hockey team. And a lot oh, of them come from Canada. Gosh, yeah, so all the Canadians. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that was the first time I heard, like, I was like, oh my gosh, you really do talk like that. <laughs> oh yeah. My husband and I have this joke because I haven't lived in Canada in almost, oh my God, it's been nine years. And whenever I go home, I'm like, wow, they really have a twang. And I'm like, do I sound like that? And he's like, not really anymore, but I definitely hear myself saying things like about, or I say, um, oh my gosh, I can't even right now, but yeah, I start to sound like them. Yes. <laughs> I am <And> them. <laughs> the A, okay, A, like, and I was like, a, oh a. my gosh, you guys, like the first time I heard, I was like, oh. It is so bad. And I do it and I secretly love it. I say A a lot, um, but yeah, the Canadians got, got a twang. Yes. You, did you ever watch like HGTV? I love HGTV, by the way. Oh yeah, I used to. I don't have TV like with cable anymore, but I love HGTV. So a lot of those HGTV stars come from like Canada yeah. and you hear them say, like, the, how do you say home again? Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's about, about, about. And I'm about. like, that just sounds so, because it's just so emphasized in this, the weirdest spot. <laughs> It is. It's really weird. I'm like, why do we speak like this? (laughs) But I'm so interested in, I have interviewed a Latina who is actually born, she was born in Mexico, but now she lives in Canada with her husband. But you grew up there and I am so interested in how it was being 
Latina and in Canada, like having this Latina, Swiss, Canadian blend and like how you're like how like what was the culture like there and how did you bring your Latinidad within the Canadian culture? Because it just doesn't feel like there's probably a lot of Latinos in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, well, there there surprisingly there are a lot. Um, There's a big community. I think my parents were just so good about preserving their cultures and making sure that we were like imparted with all, I think, the best aspects of it. And so to start with, like my mom spoke Spanish to us at home and didn't speak any English to us. So I speak Spanish like a native speaker, basically. I mean, people, I live in Mexico City right now and people are always like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, from the North. They're like, oh, right. Because I definitely do have a bit of an accent. And my mom was like really good about keeping all of like the family traditions, the family the ties to Mexico alive. So we would come to Mexico probably twice a year. We weren't wealthy by any standards. We were very much like lower middle class, if anything. And all of my parents' extra money would just go to fund trips for us to go back to Mexico or back to Switzerland. We went to a private Catholic school and I feel like it was very diverse there. There was a lot of different cultures and they also like celebrated like that kind of multicultural thing that Canada is known for. Christmases in Mexico are like my most kind of core memories I have. Always having family meals, always listening to Mexican music and celebrating milestones. Like I remember I had my quinceañera on a boat and I invited like 90 people and they were, we were like 15 and they're like, this is crazy. And then my parents let us have a house party after and they agreed not to be there. And so it was just like, so wait, wait that is not, that's so not Mexican. <laughs> I can't believe I got got away with that one. But yeah, so like we did all those things to preserve the culture. And, you know, my mom would cook Mexican food. And I don't know, it was just like, it wasn't like a strange thing to me. It was just like a part of me. So is your dad Swiss? Is that where you get that from? And how do you like, how do you mix Mexican and Swiss cultures? Oh my gosh, you don't. Wait, wait, (laughs) wait, here's a question. Who has the better hot chocolate? I'm not a chocolate person. But oh, Mexico. Mexican hot chocolate or Swiss hot chocolate? No, chocolate de Mexico, always. <laughs> Swiss hot chocolate, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody talks about Swiss chocolate and everything. So I, like I said, I'm not a chocolate person, but that was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, ooh, which one has the better chocolate? <laughs> right? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. But I love that your mom, like really, how did she get to Canada? Oh my God, that's a crazy story. I'll give you the long story short. It's very similar to how I met my now husband. So she met my dad in Cuba on a vacation. Basically less than a year later, they were married and pregnant. Um, And my dad at the time was studying a PhD at UBC in Vancouver. And he like moved her over and they eventually became Canadians themselves. Oh my gosh. You know, and I know we're going to talk a lot about like social and everything like that, but I'm so interested because you actually, you were saying how you met your husband and you met him on a beach in Puerto Vallarta and you, were you living in Vancouver at the time? I was in Vancouver. Yeah. I left Vancouver after I met him. We went to Berlin. That is so crazy. (laughs) So that's where you met. And then he lived in, he lived in Canada as well. No, he's German. So Max is German and well, he grew up. So yeah. He was visiting Mexico from Germany? Yeah, yeah. They were on like a work, a work kind of vacation thing. He was working at Google at the time. So 
there was like six of them, all Googlers. I'd never met anyone from Google in my life. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in front of like six of the most handsome men I've ever met, smartest people in the world. I'm like, is this you, God? Like, thank you. <laughs> did I manifest this? And I think I You're did. Do I have my pick? Eeny, meeny, miny, you look good. <laughs> I basically did. I felt like I had to pick. And then Max and I was kind of like, I don't know. My mom was like, se te metieron las flechas, like Cupid struck you. And it was like, you know, girl, like you did this too. And within two weeks, I quit my job in Vancouver. I was working as a tax accountant at the time in my own apartment, had a cat. And I just like walked into my partner's office and I was like, I'm at the love of my life and I'm going to go uh, meet him in Berlin. And he was like, okay, you're crazy, but this makes a lot of sense. Oh my gosh. Okay. One of the things, like when I ask everybody what they want to focus on, you had said like getting the guts to go for it. You literally, and, and you're talking about other people, but have you been like that your whole life? Just like, okay, let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Or, yeah. or did you feel like you have? Yeah, I think it's in my blood. Like, I think my parents are both very much like that. They're really brave. Like, you know, they both like are entrepreneurs, immigrants. My grandparents had nothing. They started with an ajido, a plot of land they were given um, by the government in Mexico. You know, they raised 11 kids, all became acad- like professionals or academics. It's in my, it's in la sangre, you know, like that's what I... I've always been like that. Like when I was 17, instead of going straight to university, I had early acceptance at UBC, which is one of the top three universities in Canada. I deferred it to go volunteer in Ghana and Africa for six months. And my parents were like, what? Like, I was like, what do you expect? <laughs> wow. What kind of organization were, what were you doing there as far as being a volunteer? It was called ULEAD. It was through the university. And so they basically placed you in either schools or in orphanages to essentially work as a substitute teacher. In hindsight, I think the program had a lot of flaws, to be honest. I'm pretty sure it's now defunct because we had no training. We were literally just dropped off in a van in like a poor village and like sort of forced to fend for ourselves. But no, I was really proud of the work that we did because we were working in a Montessori school, like Montessori, very loosely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we we made it so that they stopped. They used to hit the kids with canes, like with little like bamboo sticks um, when they got like questions wrong or if they were late. And so we like made sure that that was cut out of the curriculum. We created a physical education program. We created a drama program. I taught like 40 people how to read that didn't know how to read at around age seven. And this was all like with no training. <laughs> that is so crazy. I mean, that's amazing, but that is so crazy. crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You really are just like, let's do this. Because do like, this. I feel like as we get older, we have less of that. When we're younger, yeah. we think we're invincible. We're like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? Da da da. But then yeah. the world starts, you know, life happens. The world kind of gets, we yeah. start listening to other people. And I think a lot of that gusto that you're saying that like having the guts, we want to, and then we're so scared. And I think that also leads a lot into social media because we're so scared of what people are going to think. I mean, honestly, when I even started the podcast, my biggest fear wasn't that people weren't going to listen. My biggest fear was that I'm opening up myself to judgment. Oh, wow. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that so badly because like that's what the number one thing I mostly work with women entrepreneurs and coaches and professionals. And the number one thing that they say about why they don't go for it is that. And I feel that too. Yeah. 
but you've like, okay, you were working as an, I want to figure out how this happened. Okay. Cause you were <laughs> working as an accountant and then you go to Germany. Yeah. And when yeah. you go to Germany, you land a job in social media management for the UN world food program. Like how do you yeah. go from accountants <laughs> to yeah. social media manager of such a globally recognized organization? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a lot to be said for like, it's also a lot to do with who you know in the beginning, right? And so I got introduced. So the World Food Program at the time had just started an innovation accelerator division in Berlin. So it was like this rogue arm that was like not funded. It was like, go for it, moonshot ideas, and let's see what happens. So it was a startup. And so they were recruiting essentially volunteers. So when I went, I got introduced through my husband, who was working at Google, to the head of Share the Meal, because they were building an app to feed children in need. So it was like with 50 cents, you could feed a child for a day. And so he was like, why don't you go and like have a chat with them and see if it's interesting for you to volunteer with them? And I was like, yeah, that sounds really up my alley. You know, I just kind of like, been like burnt out by tax and it wasn't meaningful. And so I, first of all, I learned German because I assumed that I would have to speak German to interview and get a job in Germany. And so I went to the interview prepared to speak German and the interviewer, he was from Austria and he goes, you don't actually need to speak German because the UN doesn't recognize German as an official language. And I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> He's like, you can do it in Spanish or English, but I don't speak Spanish. And I was like, perfect. But um, no, so they basically like interviewed me and asked me for what ideas I had to use social media, use video. So this is like, oh my God, eight years ago, use video as a main platform to distribute this app and get more installs and get more money. And so I came up with a ton of ideas and they were all really creative. And so they were like, okay, great. Here's a three month contract as a volunteer. If you do really well after the three months, we might offer you a paid position. And so we launched the app. It became the most successful charity app ever still to this date. And so I got offered a full-time paid contract as a consultant. And I went on to be the like the lead of the paid partnerships of sponsored sponsorships. I led all sponsorships and PR, all the social strategy. And I was just like learning on the fly. Like we basically lived there. We were all so consumed with what we were doing and you know, the impact of it, working with BCG consultants, McKinsey consultants who are the leads on the project, you learn really quickly. So that's how I got my start. The fact that you're like, oh, I just learned on the fly. Were you always kind of like a creative person? Because obviously you're very much like, oh yeah, let's just do this. Honestly, I'm sitting here yeah. and cracking my face. I'm just kind of blown away because I think so few of us actually take action on those mm. things. Like, oh, I want to mm -hmm. do this. And then let mm -hmm. people, like you saying earlier, like let people talk us out of it or let people or like, oh, but what if I don't succeed? So what if you don't succeed? Like at least you tried yeah. it. Now you know what you want or what you don't or what worked or what didn't. Were you always kind of like a creative person in regards to like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Because I don't understand how a creative person ends up being in accounting either. <laughs> yeah, because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I, my grades weren't good enough to go into law, which I thought I wanted to be an international lawyer, which kind of makes sense. But no, I think like background was like, we were in a really wealthy community. Doesn't mean we were wealthy, but we were exposed to a lot of different programs, a lot of different kind of experiences. You know, I played music growing up. I acted, we did plays. We did like, uh, we had a lot of like diverse neighbors in our neighborhood. We had like 
I don't know, a lot of traveling that we experienced young. And I would say for me, though, my biggest kind of push over the edge, which took me from quitting tax to moving to Berlin, to learning German and starting a whole new career, and then doing it again, essentially four years later when I lost my job um, at the start of the pandemic, is really all tied back to the death of my cousin when he was 26. We were the same age and he was murdered. And it's like one of those like unsolved crimes. But that was like a huge wake up moment for me that made me realize like how short life is and how precious life is and how much time we waste. That honestly, he's the reason, Heroin is the reason that I think I'm I'm more like gung-ho than ever. I hate the fact that so often it takes something like that for us to wake up, so to speak, and just be like, you know what, yeah. I'm going to live my life for me, or I'm going to do the things that I never said. And even often, sometimes that happens and we're like, oh, life is so short, but oftentimes that's it. That's all that happens. You went from there and you've, you've worked with Apple, Facebook, Michael Kors, like kind of all of these things. Have you noticed with these corporations any kind of similar thread within them in regards to how they approach social that you, and then we'll kind of maybe move into like how you've used that to be able to share what they've done maybe with individuals and women and business owners? Does that make sense? I need to clarify that. So I think like if anything, we're giving the corporations too much credit in a sense, because when my experience with it was that there was always like the doers on the team, right? Like corporations are like governments sometimes, depending on how big they are, especially the ones I was working with. There's a lot of bureaucracy. And so I was very quick to find the doers and identify them within the teams that I was working with. And through them, things happen, change happens. But I think a lot of the time, you know, you have all these creative ideas, even if you identify that doer in the organization and timelines, budgets, priorities, whatever can take over. And so there's oftentimes a lot of delays or they're, they're like late to the game, so to speak. And that was my experience with them. In regards to what they're doing for women, I don't think I could speak to that. I still think in general, my experience is a lot in the startup realm is I still think that there's such a long way to go for women, especially the fact that I was laid off two weeks before giving birth in a job that I had uh, mat leave on, right? So like stuff like that, it happens Wait, all the time. Wait, you got laid off while you were on maternity leave? Uh, not yet. I was about to take it. Oh. Yeah. Like I had it. Yeah. And so I think things like that. And then, you know, you still see it all the time. You know, women are still what do you call it? Like the the providers of childcare, of domestic tasks, of all the mundane things. And it's not even calculated as labor. And so there's a whole thing we can talk about when it comes to things like that. I don't, yeah. I'm not married to someone. If anything, he's unequally doing more. <laughs> There's a reason I married him. Right. I mean, I totally get that because I got let go from my job in May. Now I'm shifting to this full time. And my fiance was like, no, you need, you know, I'll take care of the household things and you build your business and you concentrate on doing that. And I'm going to support you in, in in you pursuing your dream. And I was, I was so not used to that. And I think there's so many people like, first of all, I know what a pro I'm so used to always taking care of myself, right? Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of myself to have, so to have somebody step up and say, no, I want to take care of you while you're pursuing. 
I was like, whoa, what's happening here? <laughs> wow. That's like so similar. I definitely feel that. that. That's like what happened with my my husband and I as well. It's so wild and it's hard to accept as someone that has done it all by themselves. It really is. And I think at first I was just, yeah, it was just really hard. And I have, and I get in those moments and we probably all get in. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. You probably are an accidental entrepreneur too, right? Yeah. And because sometimes we're just forced into these situations and we're like, you know what? I just need to do it for myself because I think during the yeah. pandemic, we realized there's no such thing as a steady job, right? Nothing. Nobody's going to And no one's going to save you. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to fight for you like you're going to fight for you. Yeah. Like you're the only person yeah. that can truly do that. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese man. Did you not have any sort of social media while you were doing social media for these other, like these large corporations? No, I was just like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have any training. It was all just creative ideas and concepts and obviously working in a team with people that were experts at video, at, at creating long form videos or documentaries and just learning. But I don't know. I love social media. I think that it can be used as a tool for good. I've seen it be used as a tool for good. And when I started posting in end of 2020, I didn't start my account until December, 2020. I was just like, that's what we call a late adopter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very late. No, but before that, I had created like a little store called House of Lugo, which I was creating content around Mexico. And I was growing that account. And I was like, well, this is so easy. Um, And then like, because I'd grown other accounts, I'd also had a lot of people coming to me through word of mouth through just like finding me through the UN and through my project work. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I can do this. And then so Reels gets released in 2020. And I start seeing other creators, you know, talking about Instagram and coaching people on how to create content. And I was like, whoa, like, I can do this. This is so fun. Like, and so I started creating videos on Reels, just like talking about the most random things, all about marketing, all about different things in marketing. And as soon as I started focusing on Instagram specifically, things just took off from there. So before I ask you the next thing, I want to ask you like, from all of these places that you went, what was a time where your vision was executed beyond your dreams? And where was there a time where you're just like, was nobody listening in the room? What the hell is this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, such a good question. And I want to hear your answer after. So the first one was like, year one, when I hit six figures really quickly, I had created a course called The Power of Reels. You can still get it. And I took all the knowledge I'd like acquired from creating Reels and being an early adopter on Reels. And I created a a master course. And I sold that, I think, for 597. And I made over $100,000 with it. Yeah. Wow. And that was my first like, holy moment. You can cuss. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, great. Holy shit. There is money on the streets, people. Like, this is what I tell my friends. I'm like, and I don't mean that in like a, like a a sleazy salesman way. Like I know that my stuff gets people results and you know, that was really wild beyond my wildest dreams. My goal for that launch, I think was like $30,000. And that would have been like a big, big number for me. And so, yeah, that was huge. And then on the opposite end, I would say 
last year I had my second child. I had a boy and we were living in Lisbon. And I think I was like experiencing a little bit of like postpartum, but very minor, not enough to like do anything about it. I really should have, but I felt, and it had nothing to do with the baby. It was more like just the hormones. And it really resulted in me questioning my entire business and being very uncomfortable. And it also resulted in, I would say like lower sales because of the fact that I was so unclear with what I think I wanted and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up. And so there was a time when I felt like my views dropped significantly. I stopped kind of growing for a bit, or at least it felt like that. The program I'd spent so much time like studying and creating and making really, really thoughtful didn't sell. And I was like, oh my God, people are tired of me. Like I'm done. There's so many more interesting creators out there. And you know, especially on social, it's so easy to compare. So easy to look at the more beautiful woman that's talking on camera. It's so much easier to see the woman who's got more money or the person that's got the shiny partnerships or the people with 100,000 followers or whatever, right? And so I was letting all of that get to me, I realized. And it took a few months. And then I just had like a total kind of epiphany and a mindset shift that allowed me to come into this year just like so... I don't know, like liberated for lack of a better word. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that in regards to like you having like a postpartum. I don't know if it was like postpartum depression, postpartum blues. I think anxiety. (laughs) Because, you know, there's so many women that experience that and probably feel the same way. Like, you know, when they're just kind of going through their daily job and just not feeling like they're enough or what they're doing enough. And then you feel like split between what you're doing and your baby and everything like, you know, and just trying to be a human again, right? Instead of just all of these things. So what, like, how was it mentally for you during that time? Because thinking of that is one thing, but how were you mentally during that time when you were feeling that way to be, and then was it just one day things kind of clicked or was it like a gradual kind of climbing out of that darkness? Yeah, I would say it manifested as anxiety, anxiety and chronic migraines. So it was not just like physically and mentally debilitating, but I was like, well, yeah, it was physically debilitating. It wasn't just mental. Like I couldn't get out of bed some days for like 36 hours because of the migraines. So it actually was a gradual thing coming out of it. I ended up finding someone on Instagram, of course. Her name is Aldine Listens. And she is a cranial sacral therapist. And I had no idea what that was before I started working with her, but it's just energy healing. And we did it virtually. I didn't think it was going to work, but we did it virtually through Zoom calls. And she helped me work a lot on my energy, focusing on creating... There's people that might be listening to this and be like, wow, this woman's crazy. But, you know, or you you really believe in this stuff. And I really have learned to believe in this stuff. But um, she would help me create um, shields to protect my energy. And she taught me about my aura and how to protect it. And so learning about that and understanding that about myself was so game changing because I was learning that I was giving so much in not just my life as a mother and, you know, as a wife and as a sister and a daughter, but I was also giving so much of my energy to people, to a public that, you know, I don't even know. So it was very much gradual. (laughs) Yeah. That whole thing about 
giving your energy to the public, I feel like that's where a lot of people are like, that's where they get scared. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm giving myself, like I'm sharing about myself or I'm sharing about this and I'm sharing about that. You get laid off, right? When you're nine months pregnant, what was the moment of, okay, you know what? I'm going to start my own business. And what had mm-hmm. like, was that like a scary prospect for you? Cause I know even now I have the support. You had the support of your husband. I have the support of my fiance, but I still get really scared. I get scared that I look at myself and I'm like, right now I'm not contributing anything. And it, mm-hmm. when you've taken care of yourself for so long, that's a really scary prospect of feeling mm-hmm. like, what am I bringing to this relationship right now? How am I, you know, how do I show up when I'm not showing up financially? That's, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. probably something that maybe a lot of people, is that something that you dealt with? And did you, how were you able to kind of overcome that? Yeah, initially it was like very scary. I actually thought I was never going to work again. I'd been laid off twice in a row at that point. And I was just like, what is wrong? Something's wrong with me, like at the core, like I'm unhirable or something. And then once I processed that and realized that was all just lies I was telling myself, I would say the support from like my closest friends. I had a friend, Michelle, that was like really, really pushing me to do this and just try it. And then I think just my relationship with my husband, the way it's always been, it's like been very like open communication channels. He traditionally always made more than me. You know, he was working at Google. Of course he was making more. And so I would say like our sort of household or domestic work was split a little bit less equally for six years. Like I would cook more, I would clean more, I would do more of the chores just because I I had more time. And so when I chose to go all in with this, it was like a very conscious decision on both of our parts that he would now be doing more of the household labor. And that was like an understanding that we came to. And in terms of like not contributing financially, that was extremely difficult for me to accept, especially after I'd quit my job as an accountant and moved to Berlin. You know, I'd always been independent, financially independent. And then all of a sudden I was actually really dependent on a man. But all of it, I think, was laid to rest. And I don't feel any guilt about any of that because now I'm over-contributing and I'm the one, Max actually lost his job um, a year ago. And so he's been a stay-at-home dad now for a year and I'm the breadwinner, so to speak. And so it's like, you never know when tables might turn or when somebody will contribute more than another. Um, So that's kind of how I look at it. I don't know. That's how I'm trying to look at it. And I'm sure others have gone through something similar. I know we're not the only two that's gone through stuff like that. No, right? <laughs> yeah, like I was so excited to start my own business. Like I I don't know, I have that in me, I think. And I've never been afraid that it's not going to work out, which sounds crazy because I think that that's like not normal. I always knew it was going to work out and I know it's going to be like bigger than I can even imagine if I want it to be, right? And so, yeah, it just really, it excites me. And it's so exciting to be with a partner that also feels as excited as I do about it. Do you think that's something that you like just inherently had in you? Or is it something that you kind of got instilled from your family? Yeah, I would say it's a family thing. Like it kind of like when I think of like my uncles and stuff, like they've all made it on their own, so to speak. They're all some kind of an entrepreneur in a way. And so I think it's like, 
in my DNA a little bit. And I just think it's also just like a big, big combination of like all of my life experiences up until now have just shown me that like everything and more is possible and it's possible for us. It's possible for us as women, as women of color, as Latinas, as anything, right? So. Yeah. And I, you know, one thing that I so appreciate because when I started following you and we actually met through We All Grow Latina. Yeah. And then um, I had reached out to you and we were messaging back and forth. And I was like, you need to come on the podcast because you, I think it was in office hours that we met. Yes. And there's so many women on there who were, con- I love it because there's so much wealth of information, but yeah. also, you know, we can share information in regards to like, how do we do this and how do we do this? And there's so many entrepreneurs or people like working on their personal branding and this and that, that I love how you talk about, you say things in a real way. Anytime you go through Instagram or even TikTok or whatever, they're like, use this sound. You're going to get a, you know, a million views or do what I did. And I think you recently did a post about like, oh, you're saying this person said they got this many followers, but they have this many accounts with this many, like, yeah, obviously I think that your relatability and your honesty sets you apart. What do you think that people, like, what is the biggest question that people come to you with when they first are starting and they're like, look, I'm stuck and I don't know what to do and I don't know where Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come to me asking me how I can help them grow, how I can get them to 100,000 followers in six months. And the amount of people that are asking me to do that for them, like I don't even have 100,000 followers, right? Is getting like more and more. There's more people coming to me with these audacious goals. And I'm not saying it's not possible. It's possible. Of course it is. But what we're being fed on social media, it's just not the whole picture and it's not the truth. And I find that extremely problematic. And that's what I'm actually starting to explore more in my own content because I have seen how it has affected me as somebody that's like pretty strong-willed, pretty strong-minded, healthy, whatever, with a really healthy business, a really profitable business. And I'm still like doubting myself and I'm still wondering like, am I enough, right? And so when I see women come to me who are experts in their fields and they have 500 followers and they're like, this isn't enough. And I'm like, who is telling you that this is not enough? And then I see, oh yeah, it's the hooks you see that are like, how I'm gaining, I saw a post yesterday and I posted about this, how I'm gaining 10,000 followers a week with no ads. And she did not disclose that she has 1 million followers on one account. And then she cross promotes on her other account of 100,000 followers. Plus she was on a reality TV show. So it's like, they're not being told the whole picture. And so I have people who are brand new at their online businesses who are expecting this insane growth or like their reels don't go viral and they're thinking that there's something wrong with them. And so I don't post that content. You know, in the very early days, I had one reel or maybe two where I said how I gained 10,000 followers in less than 30 days. And it was honestly like me, I'd never seen that happen before in all of my social media experience, that growth so quick without ads. And I was like genuinely so excited. And I was like, this is exactly what I did. Like I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then I gave my backstory. And it was always like coming from a place that I wanted to help people. And I was like, this is actually possible for everybody. But now it's become this like 
monotonous type of content and it all looks the same. It's all highly curated. It feels very luxury and it's just unattainable and it's not real. You're saying like this whole Kylie curate. I think that's why so many people are afraid because like we were talking about like opening up yourself for judgment and criticism and everything. I felt like that with the podcast. I think a lot of people feel like that with social media. That's why it becomes so highly curated and so highly whatever, because people are so afraid to show like real life. You know, I tend to be a pretty bubbly person anyways. I'm like a half glass full person, but I also make sure, and I'm not always down, but I am do make sure to share like, I'm having a really bad day today or I'm not feeling enough. And we all feel those things because I think it's so important. And I don't even have 5,000 followers. So I'm not like somebody, but I will say for me personally, and I think this is important for so many people to hear, like I try and go to see who follows me. I don't always, but I try and see. And if I see if it's a, that I know it's a bot, it's obviously a bot. Then I remove them because I want to create a community. And I would rather yeah. have 44,000 or 4,100, whatever I have right now, actual people who are engaged with what I yeah. do than 100,000 followers. And, you know, I see people who have 20, 30, 40,000 followers that get the same engage. I actually have more engagement than they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And that's what people fail to see is like, if you don't have a community that cares about you, like out of my... 58,000 followers, I would say maybe 2,000 actually care and actually engage and actually purchase. And so just think about that. It's all vanity metrics. Yeah, my reach is higher, maybe if a post does well than someone with 5,000 followers, let's say, right, for comparison. But people are really missing the point. They're missing the point of it. And I think that's where it gets a bit complicated. What do you say to the person who's like, who's just scared, who's just scared to open themselves up to be able to, because I think there's this, oh, I have to do all of this editing. I have to do all of this, this, I have Mm. to do all of this. And I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I'm scared. I don't know what to even post. What do you say to that person who's just like, they just feel lost. Like, like you said, a lot of your clients are professionals, highly like, of yeah. what they and they are. and they feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think as a starting point, there's so much great information out there that is either free or lower priced. So I would start first with like educating yourself and realizing that nobody starts off knowing everything. Like, you know, I did not know how to edit videos when I started Instagram. And so I think it's about finding people, first of all, that resonate with you, that have a message that, you know, gives some kind of a feeling in you um, that you share something with. Maybe it's that they're a parent or maybe it's that they're a Latina, whatever it is, right? And start following them and getting inspiration from them, getting, you know, ideas from them and slowly get comfortable, you know, taking those next leaps, invest in that program Make sure there's a clear promise on in it, right? That's another big problem that we're that's out there. There's a clear program promise, a clear transformation that they're offering you in exchange for your money. And take that program and level up slowly, slowly, slowly. Do one thing every whatever, every six months, 
one thing that moves the needle towards where you want to go. But I think it's like being clear about where do you want to go? And it doesn't even have to mean like, what do you want to do? It can be as simple as like, what do you want? Do you want more time freedom? Do you want to travel more? Do you want to work? Do you love working, but you want to work from home? And then, you know, identify what what that path might look like. But I think it's like understanding that your tribe is out there. And the more you can accept that the imperfect stuff is what's going to bring more people to you, the easier it'll be to post it. I totally agree. How do you feel about hashtags? And what? And that- <laughs> oh, major pivot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, total major pivot. But I feel yeah, like, I know, like when you're saying how to try to try to find your tribe, oh, is gosh. that so hashtags? Like, is that how do you? Yeah, you do can that? use hashtags. You can use hashtags, but no, I think it's more like go on the explore page, go on TikTok, and and just scroll until you hit somebody that you're like, oh, whoa, they have something to say. This person's interesting. They're not just posting some garbage that every other account's posting, like a trending sound or whatever. That's one place to start. Hashtags are great for finding like locals, locally based communities. Instagram's getting so good at SEO. There's a new feature that just came out for me on my phone yesterday, where when you use the search bar, it actually gives you recommendations for things that are being searched like in real time, they might not be real time, but they're like trending. So like brunch or like, I don't know, hair care. And then you can tap into those and it'll actually show you locations as well and tags and reels and posts and stories. So there's a lot of um, of places that you can discover different interests. I don't know why on my FYP, I don't even, I don't watch the Kardashians. I don't talk about the Kardashians. Oh God. <laughs> dominate my explore page and I'm like I don't care if Kylie Jenner does not have the same face when she was you know <laughs> obviously she's had a lot of plastic surgery Leave I the don't woman care alone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like I don't care because Ew. why are they like and all right I get these weirdest things on my explore page and I'm just like if you're on TikTok, I don't care I about any of this just hover on it yeah yeah I know you can just I think hover on it and say not interested you can also reset your entire algorithm so that you can train it again. Really? How do you do that? Yeah, I don't have my phone. There might be there might yeah. be somebody. Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll we'll have to figure that out because we'll do software. Yeah, because no, just because there might be somebody who's like, I'm not getting anything that I see. I mean, I love the fact that they finally came up with like who you're following and chronological order because it yeah. is so frustrating to see. Like I'm. There's sometimes I'm like, I haven't seen this person on my page in a long time. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. they just posted yesterday and I didn't even see it. Yeah. I saw, like I saw something that somebody else who I don't really care about, like posted two weeks ago. It's so yeah. Check on your chronological friends. Go on to your chronological timeline. Check on those friends. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yes. <laughs> check on those people, please. When yeah. I, there's always something new coming out. I, they're always like, different things in regards to Instagram and we're being Instagram specific because I know that's what, where you like really do a lot of your work. TikTok mm-hmm. is a other total other beast and we're going to concentrate on Instagram right now. But how do you keep up with everything that's constantly changing <laughs> in regards to Instagram? Because it feels like every week was that guy's name, Adam, is that his name? Adam Masseri, yeah. Yeah, he's constantly like 
okay, now we're going to do, we're talking about this. We heard you and blah, blah, blah. It just feels like every week there's something changing with Instagram. And how do you keep up with all of that to figure out like what you should do? The thing is that you don't. The honest truth is that you don't. You don't keep up with all of it. And I used to, I used to keep up with all of it. And I just found that it was so all consuming. And a lot of it is not really necessary. Um, sorry, my kids just got home. It's okay. Hey, girl, that's what happens. It's real life. I'm looking, you know. Yeah, it's real life. Thank it's you. real life. That's why I like when people are like, oh, you could cut that out. I'm like, no, this is real life. That's what happens. I love, I yeah. personally, for my part, for the podcast, I love the imperfections. Yeah. I feel like there's so yeah, many it's super real. highly polished podcasts that I'm like, life is messy. Things happen. We good. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I mean, you can find updates by following the Instagram creators account. I think that's a great resource because they're updating it regularly. You know, find creators you like that tell you about these updates, join communities. Like I update my community all the time on the things that are most relevant. I'm not spending, you know, all the all the new updates, all the tiny little things like it's, it's a waste of time sometimes. And what about the new, I think it is the communities, right? That they where you can join specific communities of different creators and everything like that. Yeah. Broadcast channels. Broadcast Mm -hmm. channel. Yes. I have not started one yet because honestly, I'm like, what do I put? I'm kind of like, I'm kind of scared of committing myself to that and then going like, uh. Yeah. I've been the same. I actually haven't created a broadcast channel mainly because I'm just like overstretched already. I'm posting content on so many platforms, you know, and now with threads, which is a text-based app. I'm like, what else am I going to put in the broadcast? Like, I'm just going to bore people at this point. So for me, I, it doesn't make sense right now for me. I've got my community in a private community off of Instagram where I own my audience. And that's where I spend the majority of my time. That's just my thought. <laughs> I know I get requests to join all these broadcast channels and I literally have not joined a single I've only joined the creators broadcast channel that's it yeah same just because I'm like oh my gosh I just feel like it becomes so overwhelming with all of these different it's too much all of these different things and then is it paid is it not paid what do you like yeah (laughs) it just becomes very and I'm like I'm sure a lot of people are just like I don't even know what to do so I'm not going to do it right that's kind of how I feel with it I'm like I don't know where to even start with that haven't even gone in it. Yeah. And I think they can be great if you don't have like an existing platform for your community, for example, right? Think about, can you create a broadcast channel and give people value there and then essentially send them to your paid offers? That could be an option. Got it. We were talking beforehand about the word influencers. (laughs) Oh, I know. I feel like that's become a bad word. And I was saying, I don't, I hate that word. For my, like, we were like, oh, are you an influencer? And I'm like, no. Like I, but then people are like, yes, you are. And I'm just like, oh, I just, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies, that word. (laughs) I don't think it should be considered a bad word, but I also don't like it. And I think it's considered bad only because influencers in the traditional sense of the word, like maybe eight years ago, maybe 
they were all the same in the sense of like creating these like really unattainable lifestyles and, you know, having like the collaborations with Christian Dior, for example, or whatever. And that word has received like negative connotations associated with it. But yeah, I don't even know what I would call myself. I think for you, it's also different. Like when I tell people, I say, I um, I do online consulting. I'm an online consultant on Instagram, or I create videos to teach people how to use Instagram for their business. Like I don't use like an, a, one specific adjective or like I'm, a, I'm an educator. I'm an online educator. Yeah, I know. And it's the same thing almost for when I say like, I'm like, oh, I'm a podcaster. Is usually what I say. I'm a podcaster. Then I kind of laugh because I, you know, although I've been I started the podcast right, like literally right before the pandemic, a month before the pandemic. So wow. I, this wasn't a pandemic project. It was pre-pandemic project, right? But I feel like I always joke. I'm like, I started before everybody's mother's cousin's pet donkey's grasshopper yeah. had a podcast. <laughs> Everyone in their dog monkey has a podcast, right? Yes, yes you're an OG. Yeah. I mean, I have friends that have even been doing it longer, but I always laugh. Because then I have honestly sometimes start feeling a little cringe even saying that. But like this just leads, it leads me to say like when you're talking, when you're saying getting the guts to go for it. Yeah. I think those are the things that we need to like get over, right? Like what are the, like when you're saying get the guts to go for it, mm-hmm. but like what are the things that people just really need to kind of get oh i we need to obviously get over ourselves right in regards to yeah, get over yourself <laughs> <laughs> which you maybe will never do but no i mean it's like getting over thinking everything has to be perfect like there's this saying like done is better than perfect it's like really mm-hmm. leaning into that in like every aspect of being an entrepreneur that and once again just like recognizing that Somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to hear your perspective. And, you know, you have no AI, no machine is going to be able to tell your story or talk about your experiences or your perspectives the way that you can. And so there's a huge, huge opportunity for that. And I think where we're seeing the internet, (laughs) social media in general going is in the direction of more authenticity and less polished, less perfect. Like I want to know about your ugly home that you live in and how you live in it. I want to know about your mood disorder. I want to know about your weight loss and how you fluctuate with it. Like these human stories and these like more less than perfect stories are what people want. They don't want perfect. I think that don't you do you think that has a lot of because obviously there's been a lot of discussion in regards to and I felt it like I know you said you felt like, am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that? I felt that too, where I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need to get my lips? And I have, you know, pretty full lips and everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do I need to get lip fillers? Do I need and I never thought that pre-social media. I I like my biggest thing was like, oh, I'm chunky and I need to lose weight. But never like, oh my gosh, I have naturally yeah. curly eyelashes, but now everybody has like, and that's fine for everybody, but it just, it feel like it's gotten so much and we constantly see that on social media. And then there's been the discussion with about like kids and social media and what they're getting because of all of this super polished, super 
oh, we, we need to live this type of life versus, like you said, I think, you know, versus the authenticity and saying, it's okay to have a bad day. Guess what? Not everybody's perfect. Guess what? These are false eyelashes. This is not my face. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a need for that. That's why we need more creators to just start. Right. Pick out the oldies. I mean, it's funny because every time a new platform comes along, it's like, oh, it's because the old people got on. But guess what? Where is the money being spent? Right. You know, there's a lot of I I would be considered, I guess, an oldie. I'm Gen X. But I think it's really interesting also because I think a lot of people end up comparing themselves. And one of the themes for for my next year is it's never too late. It's, I love that. I think we we see these teenagers, we see these 20-year-olds, we see blowing up on social media and think, oh my gosh, I'm too late. I can't do this. Yeah. I'm too yeah. late. How oh, I even thought that, like I'm 35, I'll be 36 in March. And I was thinking last year that I was too old. <laughs> Girl. I know. I'm, I'm, and it's 46. Crazy. I'm 35. I mean, 35. I'm 45. I'll be 46. Amazing. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, I love that saying. I don't know who says it, but it's like, don't believe the lies you tell yourself. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I know. I always joke like, oh, never. Well, nobody does ever guess my age. Everybody always thinks I'm a lot like younger, but I always, you know, joke about that because I always tell my boy he's only three years older than me my fiance sorry I almost called him my boyfriend um, <laughs> but I always joke saying he's so old because he's about to be 49 but I'm about to be 46 <laughs> oh my god but it's just like it's a state of mind right and yeah I don't yeah. think it means anything absolutely I love that you describe when I ask everybody like describe your life in one word you said color why did you choose color Wow. I, I filled this out a while ago and I'm like, these are really thoughtful answers. <laughs> Color. I love that. Probably because of like my multicultural background and all of the places I've visited and all the different friends I have all over the world and my job and being a mom and just the chaos of my life. It's like coordinated chaos. I've created this chaos and I love it. But yeah, I would say it's very colorful. Like I live my life in color. I love to eat. I love to drink. I love to dance and, you know, and listen to music and meet people. And I don't know. I also am a bit of an introvert. Color felt appropriate. (laughs) So I have a question totally not related to social media. So I would love to hear your thoughts on, like, obviously right now, you're living in Mexico City, Ciudad de Mexico. And there's, I think it's outside of Cancun. There's this community being built that's a predominantly Canadian community. And there's been people who have been very upset about it. Anytime I go to Mexico, there's a lot of Canadians. Canadians love Mexico. And there's a lot of Canadian, actually, I guess kind of has to do with social media a little bit. There's been a lot of people from Canada and from the US as well, talking about their move to Mexico. And you're somebody who has ties to Mexico. You know the language. You're probably not expecting like people to mold themselves to what you want because you're like, no, I'm Mexican and this is the culture and this is what how it's going to be. Just as somebody who is Mexican and who's Canadian, how do you like when you see those those types of videos saying, 
oh, you need to move to Mexico. And obviously there's a drive up of, of cost of living in these areas. And like I said, there's this one community that is being built that's apparently going to be just like a Canadian community in Mexico. What, as somebody who's weird from Canadian, but who's Mexican, why do you feel like that? Yeah, yeah, first of all, like about that community they're building, I'm like, why would you move to a foreign country just to be like your country? Like that's part of why I love living abroad is because I want to experience different cultures and immerse myself in them. And I, I am Mexican, even myself, because I'm white passing, I notice that there are sometimes there might be um, some hesitancy, right? And right now where we're living, especially it's a very expat predominant area. We're meeting a lot of expats, but I think this isn't just happening in Mexico. This is something that's happening globally. There's a lot of people who they either have money or they want a different lifestyle that they can, you know, and so they're moving to these bigger cities and they're driving up the cost of living for the locals Now, I think this is a really, really in-depth issue that we could have spent a whole hour talking about. But in short, I think it's the responsibility of the expat to do their best to integrate into the cultures where they are entering and not the other way around. And so I think that they should learn the languages. I think they should eat the food and immerse themselves and support local businesses and things like that and not just come in and essentially be new colonizers for lack of a better word. Yeah. It's complicated though. It's really complicated. Yeah. No, I mean, I know that was a totally like different question, but I was just thinking that just because like I said, you, you grew up in Canada and you are Mexican. So I just thought, Oh, I want to get her perspective from that. So thank you for that answer. But cause you're right. We could totally spend an entire like hour, two hours, three hours, just talking about that subject alone, because it is, so disheartening when you see that I was watching something and somebody had recorded a lady who was living in Mexico and yelling at the shop owners for speaking Spanish. You just moved to Mexico. Oh gosh, no, <laughs> that's not okay. Yeah. Well, those people need some education. <laughs> yes. No, totally. It's just so, so crazy. But if people want to let, let me turn back to what, <laughs> what we were originally talking about. See, that's what I do here. I can't, we just, it's like a pinball machine when you come on the podcast. Ding, 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 ding. We talk about all the different things. <laughs> I love it. Um, if people want to connect with you and they want to learn more about how they can work with you in a realistic manner, because I think that's like you said at the very beginning, people come with like, I want, what is a, actually, what is a realistic request when somebody decides to work with you? I get a lot, but basically it's like, People want a strategy. They want to understand a long-term strategy for their content that will help them reach their business goals. People will come to me because they want to make more sales. People will come to me if they want help refining their offer, if they want help refining their messaging strategy. They have no messaging strategy. I have people come to me that have never posted on Instagram ever, and they don't even know where to start. So anywhere from beginners, I have celebrities that work with me who want to grow their account faster, and they want to learn the new way to post, not just influencer style. So really like anything under the moon I could help with, but 
I would say if you want to work with me, you work with me. Most of the clients I work with work with me long term because it is a long game. And there's so much that goes into it as well as being an online business owner. And I don't just teach Instagram. I teach like everything and I share my own experiences as well. But you can connect with me on Instagram at Carb Ruleheart or on my website, carbruleheart.com. I'm sure it's in the show notes. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, a variety of different ways that you can come into my world. Um, There's free options and there's also paid options. So whatever fancies tickles your fancy. (laughs) (laughs) I always give people the opportunity to say anything. If If there's anything that I missed, because I don't write down questions. I'm just like, I want to have the conversation, right? And sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, you said that. Let's come back to that. You know, like I said, pinball here. If there's anything else that you would like to add, please do so. No, I, I feel like we covered so much. If anything, I just want to reiterate, like if you are thinking about going all in with social or if you're already going all in with social, like keep going, just start and don't let one bad post or a series of bad posts inform your future because Instagram is a long game and you need to give things time, a lot more time than what you're being sold on social media. Yeah. Look, everybody has like, hey, you might hit something on on something and you do get 10,000 new followers in a week. Or you may just need time for the people to find you and you might get a thousand new followers in a year who, you know what I mean? And I personally still think that's great because you're finding people who really like, who are really, really want to follow you and really want to engage with you and everything. So whether it's fast or slow, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Don't, don't fall for the traps, right? Find somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Like car. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. And on that note, I've got to go. My little kids are all over. Yes. Well, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and your expertise with us and everybody. All of our information will be in the show notes. I am exhausted. I've been up since 5 a.m. And now with this wine, I'm like really loopy. (laughs) Girl, early bedtime for you. Very early. But thank you so much, Car. I really, really appreciate it. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.